T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. WGR Sports Radio 550 presents... What's the one thing I'm really, really good at? Bad food takes? Complaint. The elite complainer right here. Sports Talk Saturday. What is it that Western New York is trying to be famous for? Chicken wings, smashing tables, and complaining? They've got one core job, and it's to make coffee well. Not even good, just well. On WGR. This is my first opportunity to drink a coffee, and now I'm disappointed. Sports Radio 550. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome into Sports Talk Saturday. Nick Geary with you here for the next couple of hours. It's Pro Bowl weekend. It's Senior Bowl Saturday. It's – there's probably something else, too. There, there, there's a lot of things going on this weekend uh, across football in the NFL. As I mentioned, the Senior Bowl, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that in the 11 o'clock hour. I've got Russell Brown of Cover One joining me at 11.30. Before then, uh, I have John Shipley, who uh, who covers the Jacksonville Jaguars for the Jaguars report. He is going to be live at Doug Peterson's uh, introductory press conference today uh, for the Jacksonville Jaguars. So John will join us just before then uh, in about seven minutes or so to, uh, to break down that hire, what happened with the Byron Leftwich thing, Trent Belk, going on there so we'll uh, we'll talk a little bit about what's been happening down in Jacksonville with John in uh, in just a few minutes and then another John at noon is John Scott of Spectrum News he's a Bills beat reporter for Spectrum we'll talk to him at noon about uh, you know the upcoming offseason some of the targets for the Bills uh, in both free agency and in the draft we'll talk a little bit about the Pro Bowl and uh, the upcoming Super Bowl which by the way is next week against the Bengals and the Rams 1230 uh, DJ Bien of the New York Daily News joins me we'll talk a little bit about the Jets offseason Robert Sala and the Jets were one of the coaches or one of the coaching staffs at the Senior Bowl so we'll get his thoughts on uh, on maybe what uh, what Robert Sala and uh, and those folks down in New Jersey uh, saw this week at the Pro Bowl during practice and uh, what they can be looking forward to today in today's Senior Bowl game, which I believe kicks off 
at right around 2.30. That'll be on NFL Network. And then uh, at 1 p.m., Sam Fortier of the Washington Post, uh, he's going to join me at 1 o'clock to talk about the new Washington Commanders. That's right, this week the uh, the Washington football team officially transitioned into the Washington Commanders. So Sam will uh, will walk me through that uh, that change, some of the Dan Snyder news this week, and some of the Washington um, you know Commanders off season outlooks. They're going to need a quarterback. What are they going to do with the quarterback position? Is are they going to address it in the draft? Are they going to look to free agency? Uh, and what is ex- expected to be a pretty big turnover at the quarterback position league wide? So we've got a full show as we normally do on Saturdays here for you on Sports Talk Saturday. We'll also hear from Matthew Collar, who was on uh, earlier uh, on Friday on the afternoon show on Chopin Bulldogs. So we'll talk to, uh, well, I won't, but you'll hear back uh, Chris and Mike's um, interview with Matthew, our former uh, morning show uh, producer. So we'll uh, we'll play that back for you at uh, right around 1.30. And then again, uh, Senior Bowl action. No, no Sabres. Sabres, uh, it's All-Star Weekend right now. And um, I don't know if anyone got a chance to check out Trevor Segris. Yeah, he's pretty good at hockey, so uh, it's too bad the uh, the Sabers. Well, listen, I, I I guess I can't complain too much. Alex Tuck and, and Peyton Krebs have been very good for the Sabers since coming over in the Jack Eichel trade. But I I, I absolutely see why the Anaheim Ducks uh, did not want to move Trevor Segris when. Uh, when, when he was in potential talks with the Sabres, or well, well the Ducks were in potential talks with the Sabres to, uh, to trade for Jack Eichel. Uh, Zegers is a stud, and um, you know he really put on a show yesterday at the NHL All-Star Game. All right, um, here's the phone numbers, by the way. 803-0551-888-552-550 uh, is your numbers to call. Again, I've got Russell Brown coming up at 1130. If you want to get some Senior Bowl questions in, uh, Russell was there at the Senior Bowl in Mobile all week for practices, so he's a good guy to pick his brain. So if you've got thoughts, if you've got prospects you want to get across, happy to take your phone call live with Russ on air. So feel free to give us a call uh, at 1130. And again, here coming up here in just a few moments, I'll have John Shipley. He covers the Jaguars for the Jaguars report. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the um, the recent move of Doug Peterson, who, by the way, I did not exactly expect to necessarily get a head coaching job um, this sort of cycle and you know obviously he took the year off last year after um did he step down in philly did he get fired i don't know whatever happened in philadelphia um you know with 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 doug peterson he ends up getting fired moving on from philadelphia takes the year off and really the word from the beginning of this uh this this coaching cycle is it looked like byron leftwich sort of had the the shoe in for the head coaching job in Jacksonville. Byron Nuthwich, obviously the former Jaguars quarterback, um, it was drafted by the Jaguars, and uh, the last couple of seasons had been the offensive coordinator for Tom Brady in Tampa Bay under Bruce Arians. Before that, he was the interim head coach when Steve Wilkes was fired in Arizona, so he does have that brief uh, interim head coach experience that he had in uh, in Arizona with Josh Rose in his rookie season. He then leaves when uh, Cliff Kingsbury gets the job there, in Arizona and heads over to Tampa Bay to become their offensive coordinator. And the word was he was sort of the front runner for that job. And then essentially uh, the rumor or narrative as it currently stands is that Byron Lefwich basically said that he was not interested in working with Trent Belk, who is the uh, general manager right now for the Jacksonville Jaguars. If it sounds familiar, 
Trent Belk is a St. Francis High School alumni. He went to St. Francis in Hamburg, and he was the general manager for the San Francisco 49ers when Jim Harbaugh was the head coach. After Harbaugh left and they brought in John Lynch, uh, Belk was released and relieved of his duties as the general manager of the 49ers. He spent a couple of seasons uh, on the sideline, and then he ended up taking over the general manager job last season for the Jacksonville Jaguars, and he was responsible for the hire of Urban Meyer. So essentially, Shad Khan decided we weren't going to go with we were, we we weren't going to go with Byron Leftwich because he didn't want to work with our general manager, you know, the guy that hired Urban Meyer. So they move off of Byron Leftwich apparently, and here we are with Doug Peterson, who's being literally announced and introduced today by the Jacksonville media down in Jacksonville and Duval. Um, so a really interesting turn of events for the Jacksonville Jaguars, but I think for all intents and purposes, um, you know, it looks like a good hire. It looks like a, a good hire for the Jacksonville Jaguars if they're looking to get the most out of Trevor Lawrence. And so now we go to John Shipley, who joins me on the West Her Hotline. He covers the Jaguars for the Jaguars Report. And John, first of all, thanks for joining me on such short notice, man. I know you got a lot going on today, so we appreciate you hopping on quickly to get us updated. I, I, I got to ask, though. I, I feel like I'm obligated to ask. It felt like the Byron Leftwich and Jaguars relationship was just bound to happen from the beginning of the cycle. I think he was probably the most mocked head coach of any head coaching hire this cycle. Things broke down, though, pretty quickly, and now today you guys will be introducing Doug Peterson as the new head coach. Before we get into Peterson, John, I would like to kind of get a better synopsis of what went down with Byron Leftwich because I think there's a lot of stories and a lot of rumors, but what is it ultimately that is the reason that the Jaguars decided against going with Leftwich and, and with Doug Peterson? Yeah, no, you're absolutely right that, you know, uh, Leftwich was, you know, probably, like you said, the most commonly mocked, you know, pairing of any coaching cycle. And, you know, Leftwich is somebody who, you know, by by all understanding, wanted the Jaguars job. You know, th there's even, you know, a little bit of a belief that other teams, you know, other openings throughout the league knew he was kind of zeroed in on the Jaguars job, you know, potentially as a reason that, you know, he never responded to the Saints request for an interview. So, I mean, it really seemed like even the NFL collective, kind of felt like left which the Jacksonville was going to happen. Uh, I, I really think that it kind of boils down to power structure. I think that left which was probably like many of the other candidates the Jaguars had and, you know, had reservations about general manager Trent Baalke in place. And I think the difference is left which, you know, actually made those reservations even more pronounced. You know, I, I, I really do think it boiled down to left which essentially, you know, it's Trent Baalke and his setup or me and my own people, you know. And I, I do think he wanted to bring in uh, Adrian Wilson from Arizona as his own general manager. And I think ultimately, you know, having, you know, that kind of, I, I guess, really negotiation tactic by a first-year head coach, it's certainly mm. not a mistake on Leftwich's part. But I think if you're an owner and you're looking at the, you know, potential of a first-time head coach and a first-time general manager compared to looking at your other options, I do think it probably gave the Jaguars some pause. I, I don't think Leftwich was their intended number one target in the cycle. Actually, I do think Nate Hackett was, but mm. he ended up, you know, he, he was another guy a lot of people didn't think would want to work with Balky, and he ended up getting the Denver Broncos job, first coach hired this cycle. 
So I think they knew that Leftwich was probably the best choice left, but they just couldn't make it work in terms of a green power structure. So it sounds like they're – and with any conversation around power structures, John, um, the general manager, you know, he's going to be the guy that's ahead of, you know, roster development. But I look at what happened in Buffalo and then subsequently the, the structure that's now being taken from Buffalo to the Giants with Joe Shane and Brian Dable is this sense of bringing the general manager and the head coach along at the same time, having two guys that are in lockstep on the same page. And – Listen, everything that Belkey has been, the success that he had in San Francisco, and listen, I mean, the nightmare that played out in real time, I don't have to tell you, you lived it, with Urban Meyer last year. <laughs> I just yeah. wonder, what is it that that makes Belkey so entrenched in this organization considering it's not like he has you know deep ties with the organization you know he didn't you know leave as an assistant gm just to come back later as the general manager he doesn't have like family ties with shot Khan. like what is it that is keeping him around when it's very clear some of the top candidates are sort of shunning the jacksonville jaguars strictly because they don't want to work with him and i'm and frankly if i'm be, if i'm being honest john i'm a little surprised that doug peterson with everything that has been said and the co- coaches that we know didn't want to potentially interview with Jacksonville because of Belkey, that Peterson is a guy that decided to join forces with him. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you hundred percent. And that's why, you know, Peterson eventually coming on board gives me reason to believe, even though, you know, nothing's official. The Jaguars are eventually going to move around the front office. Some, I, I still think Belkey is going to be retained in his general manager role, but you know, the Jaguars have obviously had talks with Rick Spielman, you know, over, over the last week or so. So I think at one point or another, there's going to be some kind of change in the front office because I'm with you. I don't think Doug Peterson would have came, you know, regardless because, you know, like you mentioned, he's another guy who reportedly, you know, kind of cooled off on the Jaguars at the beginning of the process. He was their first interview all the way in December 30th. And, you know, reports are that he cooled off on them because of their power structure and because of Trent Baalke. So I really think, you know, his really why he's entrenched in Jacksonville comes down to the simple fact that, you know, the Jaguars uh, – and Shad Khan's circle is very small in terms of, you know, their vacuum and the people that they talk to throughout the league. So I really, in Shad Khan's tenure as owner, you know, he's basically had one football guy in charge of operations who, you know, he's the guy that he talks to, you know, he's his eyes and ears in the building. You know, it was Gene Smith for his first year as owner. And then it was Dave Caldwell for, you know, four to five years. Then it was Tom Coughlin. You know, then back to Dave Caldwell for a year with, with Trent Baalke as, you know, director of player personnel. And now, you know, the last year and a half, Balky has been the football guy that, you know, Shad Khan has listened to, you know, all the way through the Urban Meyer before and after. Trent Balky has been the consistent, really, person who's had the owner's ear. So I think it's as simple as that, as just, you know, a franchise that doesn't have many ties and doesn't seem like it's ever really willing to hit the reset button. Because it seems like, you know, they'd never want to do a clean sweep. They want to keep at least somebody in place that they have some familiarity with. And I think it comes down to that, whether any actual merit on the field. Yeah. And John, like, listen, I mean, the way that last year went towards the end of the season, it was just like, obviously it was a black eye on the organization and something that was incredibly embarrassing. And listen, I, here's the other thing though. I do give credit to Shad Khan because he probably, he probably wanted to ride it out for the rest of the year because you don't want to fire a head coach before he's even had a full season, too. But it was just abundantly obvious, John, that Urban Meyer could not complete the job and could not get them to the end of the season based on the loss of respect that he was getting not only within his own locker room, but the national media and the local media. He just had lost, really, all respect. Um, 
like, how do you, if you're Trent Belke, move on from that? How do you move the the franchise on from that? And and frankly, can Doug Peterson, who kind of wore out his welcome in Philadelphia a couple seasons after winning a Super Bowl because of his relationship with Howie Roseman. Like, is there any concerns there that like, hey, listen, Belkis wants Peterman or Peterson, and Peterson wants at least some part of this organization, especially if Spielman, who I think would probably be the, make, the, make the most sense for the Jaguars if they want to try to you know, create some sustainability in there and get a guy that they can trust who's done it before with, with the Vikings. Like, how do you how do you i guess worry for yourself but for this fan base like is there a worry that peterson is maybe not as brash as urban meyer but he certainly has already worn out his welcome in one nfl city yeah no i think you know when when at least comes to the front office dynamics i think it, it says a lot that you potentially need to hire an entire buffer, you know, an entire other front office guy just to get, you know, people to want to take your calls, you know, from the front office. And I, I think that's what it kind of boils down to the situation in Jacksonville, which is why I think after Peterson's run in Philadelphia, why I don't think he would come to Jacksonville unless there's some kind of change. Because I think, you know, obviously the issue in Philadelphia was, you know, like you said, that relationship between him and Harry Roseman really disintegrated. It seemed like the front office one and the ownership wanted to be a part of, you know, the coaching staff conversations. And when really it seems like Peterson, you know, wants to have his coaching staff be his realm. So I, I, I do think there is some trepidation there just because I, I don't think you can talk to any Jaguars fan, any Jaguars supporter who has, you know, complete belief that the Jaguars are going to come out on the other end okay unless there's some kind of change in the front office. You know, they, they, they could have hired any coach as long as the general manager is the same, though. There's going to be some hesitancy. And with Peterson directly, I do think, you know, with some of the names that I floated out about his potential staff, uh, Press Taylor is a name I keep hearing over and over. That I, I do think that's a red flag to some fans. But I think overall the process was such a roller coaster that, that they're just happy to land on a coach with a resume like Peterson. John, before I let you go, and we've got John Shipley here on the Wester Hotline. He's a uh, Jags beat reporter for the Jags uh, the Jaguar Report. You can follow him on Twitter at underscore John, J-O-H-N underscore Shipley. And, of course, that's on Twitter. John, um, you know, obviously a big a big offseason for Jacksonville and for Trevor Lawrence, who, you know, obviously did not have the rookie campaign. I think a lot of people thought he would have, I'm sure, in Jacksonville, but nationally as well. I, I think there was a lot of concern around whether or not Urban Meyer was ruining him with the offense and the scheme and the players around him. How important will be this offseason for Trevor Lawrence? And they have lots of cap space. They're going to have high draft picks. Are they going to be able to do enough this year to see the Trevor Lawrence? I think a lot of people thought they were going to see his rookie season. Yeah, no, I, I really think the development of Trevor Lawrence kind of begins now. I, I think, you know, for uh, unfortunately for Trevor Lawrence, you know, for the fan base, for the franchise that, you know, they really kind of wasted away an entire year with Lawrence because both you know, from the coaching he was receiving, from the off-field drama surrounding the team and just, you know, the poor structure in terms of the offense and talent around him, I don't think there's really anything that you can kind of glean from his rookie season. You know, obviously wasn't what anybody expected. I think even Lawrence would tell you, you know, he was disappointed in it. But I, I think the development of Lawrence really begins now. And I, I think that's a, probably the biggest reason to be excited if you're a Jaguars a fan for the hire of Peterson because, you know, for his issues in Philadelphia – you know, at the very least, he's proven that he knows quarterbacks. You know, Carson Wentz, obviously injuries played a role, but Peterson helped him take a big leap 
from year one to year two. Nick Foles had two different good runs under Peterson. Josh McCown even had some good names, uh, good games, and he's about to be, you know, potentially a head coach in the same division. So I, I, I really think, you know, you look at his collective work with quarterbacks, and you, you're encouraged about what you'll see from Lawrence in year two. And then uh, the last thing I just had for you is Daryl Bevel um, obviously leaves as the interim head coach for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Do you, do you expect him to be back in any capacity? You know, I, I thought that considering the situation that he's taken over, um, Bevel has kind of gone through a couple of different difficult situations. I mean, same thing that he went through in Detroit is the same thing that he went through in Jacksonville. And I think he's had a couple of really tough situations in a row. Um, what are your overall thoughts about the job that he did when taking over for Urban Meyer? And if you think there's uh, there, there's going to be a spot for him in the organization moving forward? Yeah, no, I, I, Daryl Bevel is somebody who is really respected throughout the organization. And that's why, you know, it wasn't really a surprise when he was tabbed as interim head coach because he, he's, you know, kind of bizarre Urban Meyer. You know, he's mm-hmm. really the calm, calm, you know, he's a smooth when in the middle of the storm. So I think he did a good job kind of settling things down and turning the noise down, you know, for the Jaguars. He also, he, he delegated some different type of roles. You know, he took play calling away from himself, gave it to Brian Schoenheimer and, you know, two of the Jaguars' three best offensive games came you know Mm -hmm. after he did that so I think he did impress and I think he impressed people within the building you know he did get an interview for head coach but I I do think ultimately just looking at the way Peterson has hired before I think he likes to you know stick to people he knows so I'm not sure Bevel even though you know there is potentially some overlap from the coaching trees uh, will really have a spot. John, thank you so much, my friend, on, on such a last-minute thing, stopping on, chatting some Jaguars with us. We'll do this again soon. Enjoy the uh, the introductory press conference today. And uh, stay. I don't have to tell you to stay warm. I'm in Buffalo. You are warm, my friend, so I won't, uh, I won't give you that. But uh, I appreciate your time, my friend, as always. Hey, thank you. I appreciate it, and hope you have a great rest of your weekend. Awesome. Thank you so much, John. John Shipley there of the Jaguar Report on the West Her Hotline, chatting with me about the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, what an interesting offseason they have um, on the horizon. A lot of cap space. Travis Etienne, who they drafted in the first round last year, didn't play because of an injury that he had in the preseason. Um, you know, now he'll be available. James Robinson tears his Achilles tendon in the last three weeks of the season. Will he be available and ready for them to start the season? Will they consider trading him? Um, there are a lot of question marks. What ends up happening? You know, with uh, DJ Chark, uh, who also injured himself and missed most of the season this year, didn't get a real chance or opportunity, um, you know, to to see what he was able to do in a number one wide receiver role. It's very obvious they've got to surround, you know, Trevor Lawrence with some better talent. I actually, you know, they made a trade midseason with the Carolina Panthers with uh, for tight end Dan Arnold. And Dan Arnold came in before getting injured. I mean, you know, it's kind of the story of their season, either either somebody got hurt or you know some sort of crazy drama took place in Jacksonville that's just the way that the season went for them but i really liked what dan arnold did when he came into jacksonville he ended up being like the number one target for trevor lawrence when he was traded um and then obviously got hurt and missed the rest of the season so listen the jaguars have some really intriguing young talent at a couple of those positions um that are important like obviously josh allen on the defensive side of the ball who really kind of short of his performance against the bills didn't have a, a very great season last year and you know they they've got a couple of pieces on the defensive side of the ball but they've got a lot of work to clean up um, some of the mistakes and some of the the mess that Urban Meyer left behind. So watching, you know, kind of what what they do with Doug Peterson here moving forward, and and, and kind of how they surround Trevor Lawrence with not just a better scheme, but obviously a, a you know a, a better a better group of skilled position players. Marvin Jones, you know, great player and and a good player in the NFL. 
can't be your number one wide receiver. And LaVisca Chanel last year showed that he just probably wasn't um, what they thought he was going to be. And uh, like he's probably not a full-time number two wide receiver either. He's more of a gimmick player. He's more of a Isaiah McKenzie type of role. So we'll see what the Jacksonville Jaguars are able to pull together this offseason and, and surround Trevor Lawrence with a group that can compete because I think they really um, they, they they need something right to go to, to to happen down in Jacksonville. Shad Khan has had a couple of really difficult years for the Jacksonville Jaguars since buying the team, and they really have not been able to find the same success they did in that that what is that twenty. 15, 2016 Super Bowl or uh, AFC Championship run with Blake Bortles, and you know you heard John mention that Nate Hackett was their number one coaching uh, or their, sort of their number one head coach target, and I find that interesting. He was obviously the head coach or he was the offensive coordinator when Doug Marone was the head coach in Jacksonville um, over that couple of seasons. Now I don't know how much play calling he did comparatively to Doug Marone there, but. You know, it's 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 interesting that he ended up being the top target. Obviously, wasn't interested with Trent Belke there, and moves on to the uh, to the Denver Broncos, where he's now the head coach. So the the head coaching uh, carousel continues on. There are still several openings. Obviously, last week we know that Josh McDaniels will be headed to the Las Vegas Raiders. They're taking Patrick Graham, the New York Giants defensive coordinator, with him. He will uh, he will remain in the defensive coordinator role and be the defensive coordinator for the Raiders. That leaves the New York Giants with a new hole at their defensive coordinator position and there's a lot of talk that uh, former Ravens defensive coordinator Wink Martindale might be the favorite to land that job we'll keep you updated if we hear any news on any of those changes we've got Russell Brown of cover one he's going to join us coming up here next on the Wester hotline we're going to talk about the senior bowl senior bowl kicks off today the official game as it kicks off today at 2 30 on NFL network but uh, he had a full week of practice and players that he was paying attention to so we'll chat with Russell that's coming up next here on sports talk Saturday on WGR call from mom Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. 
Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Josh and Wentz are two of the most interesting to me, I think, since I've been going there. For the fact that physically, and I know Wentz has been beaten down over the years, so a lot of people don't view him in this light anymore, but Wentz I know is a prospect for North Dakota State. Wentz and Josh Allen came down there and just looked different physically. Not only just their bodies, but the fact that when they threw the football, you knew it was different. There was a different velocity there, and every year I go to Mobile, the weather is usually not great, so a lot of these guys are trying to cut through the wind. They're trying to really rip these throws through the wind, and there's guys that have had some success that struggled that with that aspect down there, like Jalen Hurts. That really, you know, that was a problem for him, but for Allen and Wentz, it was not. That is a good buddy of the station. Oh my God, it's Connor Rogers. Okay. Oh my God. I, I'm. 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 Listen. It's been already a long morning, and I can't remember names. I barely can remember my own. Luckily, I know my my next guest's name by heart. I don't have to look at a screen to know who's coming up here. Russell Brown joins me from Cover One. He's a national scout. He spent all week in Mobile, Alabama. And by the way, as a person that's spent time in Mobile, Alabama, not for the Senior Bowl. What an interesting place, Russ. I mean, I know you've really the only time you've gotten to spend there has been for the Senior Bowl. I spent um, Mardi Gras in Mobile. Um, it's where it originated. Yeah, it is where it originated, by the way. Mardi Gras originated in Mobile, Alabama. Thank you for the and Okay, so did you have to deal with any ridiculous amounts of like 15 to 20 straight hours of like the thickest, densest fog you've ever dealt with in your life? Is that is it fog season down there right now? Uh, there was some fog, but I think it was more so foggy because it was raining a ton and there was, it would like go from like really like humid and like warm to like super cold and windy. Um, but there wasn't like 15 hours worth of fog. I don't know when you went, but, uh, whenever Mardi Gras, is, I guess. Huh? Yeah. My flight got delayed for more than six hours in the mobile airport. I know, you know, the mobile airport's not the biggest place, um, to no. be having to spend seven plus hours at. Um, so that was not fun, but overall, I, I really enjoyed my experience there. I think it's, it's a very unique town and city, um, in, in the state of Alabama, no less. And it's kind of like right on the water. It's just a really cool place. And obviously you get to cover a really cool event that I know you're, um, a very proud of to cover, but B have a lot of fun doing. And, you know, I, I obviously I want to get into a lot of that with you, but like, you know, what was it like, um, having another opportunity and listen, after COVID, you never know when you get opportunities do this stuff live again um how fun was it to be down there in mobile and 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 how impressive was this group of players this year um considering it's it's probably the first year we've truly felt like we're slightly back to normal in their on the normal off-season circuit for sure i mean i i wasn't there last year did it virtually a little bit but uh it was nice to be back down there it's certainly different than kind of what we're used to i mean um, there's some restrictions on to some things, but I think they also did these restrictions and made these changes as far as kind of the free for all that it was as far as media day back in the day, like players would get, uh, and, and they did this to make it better for the players. I mean, that's kind of the Intel I got from a couple of the radio people down there. And it was, 
it was interesting because, you know, two, three years ago, we would go down for media day and these guys are getting their breakfast and they're trying to eat. And we're sitting there with microphones in their faces and cameras and asking them, you know, 50 to a hundred questions each. And, and then this year, you know, it's kind of like gated off and you would have to go and ask somebody to speak with somebody. And if the player was in a, in an interview, then you couldn't really interrupt unless you were kind of over in that space. But it was, it was really cool, man. And as far as the, the overall talent, I think it's a, a really good group of players. I think the strong suit that we all kind of expected from edge rushers, offensive linemen, that all kind of held true. And obviously the quarterbacks, I'm sure everybody wants to know about them, maybe not necessarily Bills fans, because you have Josh Allen, which is phenomenal, but he came from the senior bowl, as we know. And I think the quarterback group is, is good. It's just not great. There's really nothing that separates anybody from themselves um, or from each other. So it was just, it was a fun event. No doubt about it. I had a lot of fun, uh, but looking at the, the news yesterday of so many friends and colleagues just being delayed at the airport for several hours, I'm glad I got home Thursday night when I did. Yeah, it uh, and it was not nice. We had, like I think Pat Hammer, our, our resident weatherman here for the station, he kind of comes on during the football season to help us during the Bills season. And I think he tweeted out something along the lines of like 40, 35, 40 straight hours of snow here in western New York. Um, it was not fun. Uh, I, I was supposed to fill in on the morning show yesterday, couldn't get out of my own garage. So, yeah, it's been a, it's been a fun little uh, 24, 36-hour stretch here in western New York, and I know the same thing for you um, down where you're at. So it, it was was a it was it was a, it was a tough couple of days but luckily you you kind of you got in at the right time because I think if you got in any later you'd have been uh, you'd have been getting some delays for sure yeah absolutely and and um I, I mean look I'm, I'm I'm just happy to be home I don't think my liver could take another night out <laughs> at one of the bars down there so um yeah it, it's been a lot of fun and I'm, I'm just kind of back in my own element in my office here kind of breaking down the all 22 like the last like 18 hours so it's been a lot of fun so listen before we start breaking down a lot of the positions I know you and I wanted to get to uh and a lot of the risers from this uh from the senior bowl week and obviously the culmination of this week will take place today uh when the senior bowl game actually takes place but actually this is a good this is a good thing to ask a guy who spends a lot of time at the practices um seeing general managers and head coaches around like how much value Especially, and I'll talk to uh, to DJ Bienemy. He covers the the Jets um, for the New York Daily News. Like, how much of an advantage is it when you're one of the teams coaching this event? Because um, you're getting to run the drills live. And how much more valuable is the week of practice um, than maybe the game itself? Which obviously, I think the players really look forward to the game because it gives them an opportunity to you know get some live bullets going. But I, mm-hmm. I would think that all, most of people there, the coaches and general managers and evaluators, probably take way more stock in what happens during practice when you can simulate things you want to see a player go through absolutely and, and Dan Campbell alluded to it on his uh, media day press conference where he took you know the podium for you know 10 15 minutes or so around 8 30 central time uh, on the day of media day and he, he said you know it's, it's a big benefit being able to come down here interacting with these these players and, and, and these guys and seeing who is a team guy, who's a, who's a good person to, to really talk to and understand what we're preaching and buying into our culture. And he even talked about how the Bengals, it was very beneficial and kind of how their, their format and their game plan a few years ago being able to cover it and getting players from the Senior Bowl has been really beneficial. As you can see, they're in the Super Bowl. So I think that's, that's really the case here. And I know Detroit was here a couple of years ago down at the Senior Bowl and with Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn, it wasn't really beneficial for them. as They obviously won. They lost their job. They didn't win uh, enough games or do anything as far as taking players from the Senior Bowl. So it seemed mm. kind of like a waste. 
But you can tell also from just the difference of Lions practices. You know, a few years ago it was really boring, kind of dull. The Jets practices, I thought that some of the position coaches, like the defensive line coaches, had great energy. That was a great group. I'm really excited to see what that defensive line group of the Jets does against this Lions offensive line group on the American side mm. of the roster. So, um, you know, it's really beneficial. I think you just learn the practice habits, their eating habits, their, you know, who they are as people that you don't always get in a, you know, a five to ten minute Zoom call or, or conference at the, at the combine. Yeah, so obviously the the one guy I wanted to start talking to you about is at the quarterback position because I think he's been one of the bigger risers this week. Just and and by riser, I think he's probably just supplanted himself as the quarterback one in this draft, which is Malik Willis from Liberty. Um, you know, there was a lot of talk about the arm strength being on display. Maybe not exactly the most pinpoint accurate at this point, but it was very clear that he his arm talent was was sort of head and above every other quarterback there at the Senior Bowl. What did Willis do for his draft stock? Um, over the last couple of days. And if you were to point to a particular fit or a team that you believe he might be best suited to play with, who'd that be at this point? Well, he certainly did a ton for his draft stock. It'll be interesting to see if he does really overtake Kenny Pickett as that QB one. I know, you know, the Panthers are really being tied to Kenny Pickett, but Malik Willis, yeah, he did a great job. I mean, overall, it seemed like, you know, at the start, and I always tell people this, that first day of practice, don't buy into all the quarterback stuff that you see. It's the first day they're learning the verbiage, the new playbook. It's not like they're around the weapons that they had for three, four years in college. The timing is off with receivers and tight ends and running backs. Everything's just a little bit different. And on that first day, they know all the pressure is on them. Obviously, you want them to come out and show out. But that's not always the case. So for Malik Willis on day one, he'd have you know two or three bad throws and then have two or three great throws and I think when you watch him and you see him process you can tell that he's trying his best to work through some of the issues that he has right like he doesn't throw with a lot of touch he throws with that fastball and not having that touch is something that you can tell when he goes through Mm. and he takes his three-step drop he's really processing it he did it on a a swing pass to uh, uh, Pierce out of Florida and he ended up just kind of throwing it a little bit short because he didn't want to throw it too fast and have potentially go over his head or it be dropped. So I think if you get him in the right element with a, a relatively good offensive line, a better offensive line than Liberty, I think it can do him wonders. But the team that I like the fit for, it needs to fix its offensive line as well. And I think that's Atlanta at eight. Mm. I think they're a team that potentially could – you know, obviously upgrade their offensive line group, but they need to upgrade their quarterback position. Matt Ryan's not getting any younger and could retire after, you know, another year or two. So they might want to prepare for the future. And if Atlanta potentially wants to move up in front of Carolina, maybe it's at five with the Giants and we see a trade down and they take Malik Willis. But it really seemed like the Pittsburgh Steelers were really enamored with Malik Willis, but they're going to have to do something from the from the 20th pick and get up there because everything is pointing to Malik Willis potentially being, you know, certainly a top 15 pick, but the top 10 really seems like a, a strong possibility with some of the things that I had discussions with over the week. Russell Brown here on the West Her Hotline. You can follow him on Twitter at Russ NFL Draft. He's a national scout for our friends over at Cover One and the host of the Cover One NFL Draft podcast. Russ, uh, I 
I think we should probably start when it's when we're not talking about quarterbacks about the guy that maybe did the most for his draft stock this week, Jermaine Johnson of Florida State. Uh, I mean, just about every rep that I saw on Twitter, whether it was video, uh, whether it was people talking about it, he seemed to really light up the room at in Mobile um, with both his technique, but I think it was his speed and quickness off the line of scrimmage. What stood out to you about Jermaine Johnson's week and how much did he do for himself because this was a guy that was probably on the outside looking in in terms of a first round talent now a lot of the takes are is this guy going to make it outside the top 20 yeah I mean he's certainly seemingly a, a, a almost a lock it feels like at this point I know you don't really want to lock anything in uh you know February 5th but it just it everything's pointing to him being a first round pick. He shows up rocked up at at six five two fifty nine. I mean he was a just solid like a like a brick. I mean, but you saw the viral clip probably of him laying out Canard uh, out of Kentucky. He won that battle. He actually did not end up winning in that war though. Canard uh, did best him two out of three on that, and and the defensive group had to actually do push ups because of it because that's kind of what the battle was to create that competitive nature from the Lions. But you know. I like the variety of reps where we saw a, a, a strong showing of wide range of pass rush moves. He he was a little bit more consistent against the run in Mobile than we saw on tape because I thought there was times that he would get his hips not aligned properly. He wouldn't fight pressure with pressure, but everything really stood out. You mentioned it, speed, there was quickness, and there was this blend of power in the middle of all of it where he was able to long arm with, with technique on offensive linemen or, again, just use that speed and rush right by guys. So he seemed like, yes, a, a top 20 pick, top 25 for sure. Keep tabs on Philadelphia at 15, 16, or 19. Um, he seems to, to really fit what they potentially want to do defensively as they might want to get a little bit younger and definitely a little bit more pr- uh, productive. But, he, you know, he might be off the board by then, but some, some circles that I was speaking with was really pointing to the Philadelphia Eagles and, and with the ammunition that they hmm. might have, they might even maybe try to move up to get him. Interesting, yeah. And another guy on the defensive line that made, well, there was two guys, in my opinion, on the interior. We'll start with the first one. Devontae Wyatt of Georgia um, came in this week, and as a 307-pounder, um, he really looked the part of a potential, you know, day one, day two pick. Um, what are your overall thoughts on what he did for his week? And we'll talk about the other guy um, as well, Jones, out of UConn, because I think the interior defensive line uh, position in this draft – Maybe going into this, it looked good, but it feels like it feels like after the Senior Bowl and seeing a couple of guys stand out that this defensive tackle uh, draft may be better than than we all thought going into the season. Absolutely, and I mean starting there, yes, with Devontae Wyatt, because you know when you look at the top of the draft, you you see a lot of stuff with you know the De- Marvin Leal, Jordan Davis, kind of those those yep. top tier defensive lineman in the, in the middle but you you were looking for that second tier what's coming next after that Devonte Wyatt certainly in the mix there at 6-2-3-3-0-7 and he's just very flexible with his lower body very fluid within his lower body he understands that he's going to win with his leverage his pad level and, and he gets that so I, I think one of the key things with him is just becoming a little bit more consistent with his hands there was times that he would get stonewalled by a defender and just kind of get stuck in place but he was still penetrating and being disruptive in a sense in the pocket so I think you can live with that and I I think there's you know I I don't necessarily say he's a first round pick but I think somewhere in that 
that top 50, top 60 range, somewhere in that second round, it certainly seems like he's probably going to find himself a home. And I, I think he did wonder for himself this week just to kind of solidify that draft status. Russell, um, you know, there, I know there are a couple other edge players that you wanted to rip off. Who else at the edge and interior defensive line stood out to you this week before we moved to the offensive side of the ball, you know, where, 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 where the guys get the chicks? You know, the, you know the offensive guys are, 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 are the pretty boys. The defensive side of the guys are the road graders. Who else stood out to you at both the edge and the interior on the defensive line? Well, certainly uh, Travis Jones out of UConn, like you mentioned, you know, 6'4", 326, just incredibly stout, very thick lower body, somebody that just really showed the ability to rip, toss guys out of the way. You know, though, Russ, if I can, with with, with Travis Jones, what are you looking at? Is he going to be like a true, are are we looking at like a one-tack and just a one-gap player? Like, what what kind of player are we looking at? Because for his size and his strength, he looks like a a true middle anchor in like a 4-3, but I'm interested in sort of what your thoughts are on how you see him projected at the next level position-wise. Well, yeah, I mean, he could certainly play in an odd front as like a, as a zero shade, potentially as that, that one technique. But I, I like him in that, that uh, even front where he could play uh, as, as a three technique, mm, as a okay. two as, as, as a two. I think he can definitely two gap because of his overall strength and power and size. And when you can plug a guy like that, let's say, into the A gap like that, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden he's able to use that length and then really utilize it in, in two gap and maybe shed a guy and get into that B gap, I think it's really, really beneficial because, I mean, he has 34-inch arms. It's Huge. Not like, you know, it's, it's not like he's 6'4 with, you know, 32-inch arms or something like that. He, he is massive, and he did a great job this week. Somebody I didn't watch a ton of going into this week. So I mean, it's UConn, honestly, Russ. I mean, what, what do you, well, you, I, I wouldn't imagine you were turning on a lot of UConn film. <laughs> oh, no, not, not even a little bit. So, um, no, he, I mean, I'm, I'm excited to watch yeah. more, though, and I, I, know, I know a lot of people said highly of him, but sure. uh, next, you know, uh, off the edge, I mean, Kingsley uh, Ingbear from South Carolina, 6'3", 261, really showed a, a strong combination of pass rush moves with a great blend of power and speed. Um, I, I love what he can do with, from a, a chop snatch move. He did a really good job with that. I think he's a big riser if the tape can match, and, and maybe he gets put into that, that second-round conversation. Uh, beyond that, Arnold Ebiketti, just so natural of a pass rusher. And I, I love the length, the flexibility. Um, I, I think he's a first-round pick. I really mm. do. I want to I see him get better with his overall get off I think he needs the time that snaps a little bit better and there were times that you know he got beat but at the end of the day I think those teams in the back end of the first round that might want to add a, a pass rusher I, I think they're going to be really intrigued with him and then just lastly Jesse Lukita staying on the Penn State train here 6'2 261 he moves really really well um, I, I love the, the the power of speed that you see from him because he's able to upend guys and just kind of move them forward with the long arm. But beyond that, he does a really good job countering inside with the arm over move. So I think Lukita, he, one, he handled an interview very well after the first day of practice. And I just think somebody that has this versatility to play really anywhere on a defense that teams are going to really fall in love with. Russ, um, on the offensive side of the ball, I don't. I, maybe this is the proper question. What do you think is in the water over at Northern Iowa University? Because Spencer <laughs> Brown, third-round pick, one of the most incredible RAS scores I've ever seen for a guy his size, just to be outdone this year by Trevor Penning in the senior ball, another 6'6", 3'10", 10.5-inch hands. Like, this is a guy that 
really all week you could see has that like it factor. The question is, mm-hmm. is this a guy that is going to be around at the end of the first round like a lot of people were, were predicting, or, or did this guy make himself some money this week? He certainly made himself some money. I mean, it seemed like going into this event, he was maybe a potential borderline first-round pick. I would, I mean, I would be surprised if he was out of the first round at this point. He, he really feels like Garrett Bowles 2.0 to me, uh, just somebody that, you know, over the course of his career, he had, you know, 34 total penalties, so he's got to clean that mm-hmm. up. But you saw him just bullying guys around, and you love to see that. He was getting into it with Tyreek Smith a couple times with Kyron Johnson, and I, it just felt like he wanted to fight everybody that he was lining up against. And he said it on, a, on, the, on the broadcast, you know, it, it doesn't matter – who you are, it, it, to me, you, you, everybody bleeds red, and, and I'm going to come out here and do my job. This is my style of play, and if you don't like it, that's too bad. And people kind of were getting upset that he, he threw a, a defensive lineman into Desmond Ritter, and it's like, you know what? I can live with it. He's, he's moving. He'll figure that stuff out as time goes on. It's, he was the only guy that was really doing stuff overly aggressive like that. So from a first-round perspective, I mean, depending on what happens with the quarterbacks, you know, Pittsburgh at 20 would be an interesting fit. You know, you look at Arizona, could they upgrade their offensive line? Dallas potentially Mm. at 24 if they want to get maybe younger up front. I think there's some teams there that certainly want to get better on the offensive line. So it would just be surprising if he fell out of there. And if you look at Cincinnati at 31-32, if he's there, they should be running to the podium to help Joe Burrow. No doubt about that. All right, I got two more for you, and, and these one, this one will be a little ear to the ground for Bills fans. Two guys that I thought had really standout performances this week, Christian Watson of North Dakota State and then Kelvin Austin, um, who is maybe going to turn into one of the Bills, like Bills fans' favorite new little guy, like their new Isaiah McKenzie. What, do, what did you see from both of those this week? And maybe with an eye towards Kelvin Austin, what do you what do you project him to potentially be at the next level, and and do you have a comp for him? Well, you know, with, with, we'll start with Calvin Austin, then I'll get into Christian Watson. You know, five seven, one seventy three, a little bit undersized. I was talking with John Ledyard and Joe Marino about Calvin Austin, and you know, we kind of I don't I don't know if we we're really joking about it in a sense, but it kind of it kind of fit. You know, it kind of reminds you of Penny Hart a couple of years ago out of Georgia State coming to the Senior Bowl being really twitchy and being really athletic. He ended up going undrafted. I don't think Calvin Austin will go undrafted because of his track speed, but he's, I mean, his start and stop ability is just super incredible. When you see it up front and close and personal, it's like, wow, this guy really can move. And he does so many different things in the short intermediate areas of the field. I think he can certainly play in the slot, but with how, how his release packages are, he felt like he was the best guy for the job on the outside when it comes into terms with that. So I think he can play on the outside as well, especially with the speed to burn and pushing vertically up the field. So he, he could potentially be, you know, in that middle to late day two conversation. Maybe he made himself some money and put himself in that solid second round conversation. But I think maybe somewhere in that third round seems very likely for him. Um, I know there was maybe some speculation that maybe he'd just be a day three pick. But with how this week went, it just feels like he could be a, a potential late day two pick. Um, for sure. Christian Watson on the on the other end seems almost like a top 50 lock because of just who he was working with with the New York Jets at 6'4", 211, super flexible with his lower body, which is kind of surprising. He would kind of look like Gumby out there, you know, but he uses his length. He's consistent over the middle of the field, and, and his tape shows a tons of versatility. You, you see Debo Samuel playing out of the backfield. I think Christian Watson can do that as well. So I would mm. keep tabs with him, with him working with the New York Jets, and this is important for Bills fans. 
The Jets at 35 and 38. It wouldn't surprise me if they pulled the trigger on Christian Watson there. Interesting. Russ, thank you so much, man. We could probably turn this into a full two-hour episode. Uh, I'll take. I'll potentially take you up on that sometime, maybe before the draft. Yeah. I'm definitely going to be. Uh, I'm definitely going to be hitting you up again several times here before the draft, man. Always love your insight. You're the best. Thanks for making time for me, buddy. Enjoy your weekend and uh, enjoy the Senior Bowl today. And we'll uh, we'll definitely be chatting again soon, all right, buddy? Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you, Russell Brown. There of Cover One and the Cover One Draft Podcast, the NFL Draft Podcast. You can check him out at CoverOne.net. I'm going to take a timeout. John Scott joins us at noon. i got to get two breaks in, so he'll be in right around 12.05. All that's coming up here on WGR. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame. Two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice cold reward. Modelo, the markable fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Me? Late to the break? Couldn't be. We'll have uh, John Scott here at Spectrum News. He is he covers the Bills. He's a Bills beat reporter for Spectrum, so he'll join me. We'll talk a little Bills coming up here. Bills offseason, talk about the Super Bowl, uh, all that good stuff. So we'll have John coming up next here. i got to take another time out to get our spots in. On the other side, again, John Scott of Spectrum News joining us here on the Western Hotline. That'll be up next here on Sports Talk Saturday on WGR. Left on this right. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. 
Check your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, oh, oh. 